Hey, welcome to the first official episode of the O-Bio podcast. I am Sophia, a biotech communicator becoming a biotech developer. My current projects include leading an international item team and researching the scaling of biomaterials. Today we will have Seth Peachy from SymbioBeta. He is a former startup founder, Bitcoin super enthusiast, and has a lot of experience in business development, especially in software as a service used for employee engagement. Now, you may be wondering, what does all of this have to do with synthetic biology or biotech? Well, I guess that a little bit of a story or reflection before we start with the interview is that right now, synthetic biology, biotech is gaining a lot of attention, not only, you know, in the scientific community, but obviously outside of it. And I think I see that personally as an amazing opportunity because We've always learned that symbio, by definition, is a multidisciplinary field, and I believe that it's only through these intersection of ideas and experience that we can A, create an interesting future, and B, involve everyone. And what that means is that it won't only be the scientist's opinion that matters, or the government's opinion, or the artist's opinion. Actually, everyone is going to contribute um, since, of course, biotech is going to have and is already having an amazing impact in our civilization. I would say that one last thought is just as Gustav, you know, the chef in that Pixar movie would say, anyone can cook. Well, I would say that in biotech, anyone can grow. Welcome to this episode. So, hi, Seth. Um, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for being here in this podcast. I'm very excited to know, you know, your story and more about Race Against the Clock. So, um, my first question for you is, what is it about Bitcoin that interests you that much? Hi, Sophia. Um, first, let me say it's a huge honor um, to get to talk to you today. I've listened to a few of the um, Obio podcast episodes, and I think you're an exceptional interviewer, and um, I'm totally inspired um, by what you're doing at such a young age um, and getting plugged into the community. I definitely would not have had the confidence at your age to be running my own podcast. So, um, yeah, huge kudos to you for that. Thank um, you. In in terms of um, Bitcoin. Uh, I, I first um, was exposed to it in uh, 2012. I had a friend at university who was very interested in it, who, who did a really good job of explaining it to me. I think, I think at the time it was around uh, $200. Yeah. Um, I didn't uh, want to buy any because um, I wasn't conducting any illicit uh, activity online. And so I thought, uh it's interesting, but but PayPal and my credit card seem to work just fine, and so I don't have to buy anything online. Um, and then in 2017, I was um, paying attention to it because I was working in mergers and acquisitions, and so I was very interested in kind of finance and things in general. But I was quite convinced that it was... Um, a tulip bubble <laughs> um, and I thought it was interesting but I, I just I couldn't see um, what the value was 
there, but but I continued to follow it. Um, so it wasn't until uh, 2020 um, uh, that uh, COVID hit, and um, I had always. Um, taken something of an interest um, in, well, maybe not always, but after university, I'd taken a kind of interest in the markets. Um, and I had been a very good um, fantasy football player. So um, you have to like pick players and um, you're given a budget that you allocate to them. And, and based on how well they perform, you're, um, yeah, you, you essentially try and form a team that's, that's the best. And uh I had been number 42 in the world at one point out of 7 million players. So my dad, as, as all good fathers do, um, said to me, what on earth are you spending all of this time trying to pick the best footballers and how well they're going to perform? You already understand a lot about how to value businesses. You obviously have some giftings when it comes to projecting where things might be doing really well. Um, why aren't you looking at the stock market? So from that point on, I'd been kind of looking at the stock market. Um, I was convinced that it was overvalued um, and that we were going to see um, a big drawdown at some point. Um, when COVID hit, I thought finally um, we were going to see that and that um, I would have a chance to invest in some companies. Uh, the, the market crashed for a little bit. Um, but then what happened was um, the Fed and other central banks um, started to uh, effectively print um, a lot of money, um, which caused the market to turn around in a total V-shaped recovery. And in the midst of COVID, where we had some of the worst economic data that we'd ever seen, the stock market was at an all-time high and the valuations of companies was higher than it had ever been. And so I knew enough about Bitcoin at that point to know that it was essentially a short against what um, against what was going on at, at the Fed, which which I felt was unsustainable over the over the long term. Um, and so I spent about a thousand hours learning everything I possibly could um, <laughs> about the subject, uh, listening to uh, yeah hours of podcasts, of um, books, uh, reading articles, watching documentaries, until I felt comfortable um, that I really understood it. And I think, I think the things that really um, stood out to me are, um, I really love the decentralization. I love, um, I, I do believe that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, and so, Anytime that you can take um, power away from a central authority and disperse it among the people, I think it's a, a really good thing. I really love the security of it. Um, I think the security discourages people from um, practicing violence against others um, because it's, it's very hard to take away someone's wealth or value from them through force um, in a way that something like a precious metal is much easier to do. Um, and I, I also really um, think that that the um, asymmetric risk reward um, <laughs> appeal is very high. I think the potential upside for it is massive, um, and I think the 
the threats um, and downsides of it are, although they're there, they're less um, they're less big than the potential upside. So, from an asymmetric risk reward, which I think is what you're always looking for as an investor, um, I found it very compelling. But yes, <laughs> we have to be careful because I can talk for a long time about Bitcoin. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. That's... <laughs> no, I know that you're super enthusiastic about the topic, and I find it interesting that you actually got into it in 2020, since, as you uh, mentioned before, it's like when it went completely up. I had a, I had a few um, swings at the ball and, and missed, um, but thankfully, I, uh, I hit it before the, the third strike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, that sounds interesting. And, you know, coming from this background, you mentioned merch and acquisition. And I also read a little bit about uh, the sales and marketing um, work that you did. How did you get interested in synthetic biology? Yeah, so um, my my journey into uh, synthetic biology has been very uh, serendipitous. I... Um, actually, what was happened um, at, at the start of um, COVID, I was let go um, from my job in sales for a tech startup. Um, and I moved back home um, with my family. And, and England was very locked down through COVID. So you couldn't go more than five miles from your house, um, and uh, except for, for work. And uh, you could only meet with one other person outside. Um, so it was it was really hard, and um, I ended up taking a job, um, a part time job, um, as a janitor um, for a charity that was actually working with um, women who were uh, they were trying to help escape prostitution, um, and so I was um, doing painting in the building and fixing things and cleaning toilets, um, all the while listening to lots of um, Bitcoin. Uh, podcast. Um, and uh, I had a mentor in the Bay Area who was a wonderful guy who had actually been one of the, uh, he had sold a company uh, to Yahoo in the 90s and then um, had started a venture capital firm with some friends that had been one of the original investors in um, Baidu. Uh, which is China's Google, um, if you guys haven't heard of it. Um, and so he, I was, I was uh, trying to encourage him to buy some Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> and he, he was really kind in that he offered for me to come and stay in his pool house um, for a couple of weeks and said that he would introduce me to some people. I was, a, I was a U.S. citizen um, through my dad, so it was possible for me to come over here. Um, and one of the people I met um, was a guy called Frank Tate, who is uh, the CEO of SymbioBeta. And um, we, were, we were talking about um, Bitcoin and, and why I thought it was a, an interesting technology. Um, and, yeah, he, he just was a super um, kind guy, took out a bunch of time for me um, and then was telling me about what he was doing in synthetic biology. And I, I thought the space sounded really interesting. I thought that the potential that it has to solve a lot of the world's problems is amazing. And I would say 
if I have any skill, it's the ability to sometimes see things um, in the early stages <laughs> uh, that might be going somewhere um, big. And so I got really excited and um, I'm super uh, proud to be uh, two months into um, my job of um, working in uh, Symbiobeta um, and, and serving uh, Ginkgo Bioworks, who are sponsoring uh, the Race Against the Clock, which I'm sure we'll cover more um, yeah, later on in the call. Sure. Well, that's an amazing story to start. I think that also we could talk just a little bit about the importance of having that mentor in the U.S., um, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Like, how did you meet him? Yeah, so um, I, I think there are a, a few things. I would, I would really encourage young people to actively seek out um, the wisdom um, and, and guidance of, of mentors. I've had um, a few mentors in my life who... Um, have always, uh, yeah, just provided me with a huge amount of, of wisdom and guidance um, and support and connections and, and all of those things. I think um, we, we really believe that it's obviously what you know is important, um, but who, who you know is, is just as important. Um, and, and often you need to get in front of the right people um, in order to have your skills and knowledge um, to be really shown and, and put on display. Um, so in terms of um, mentorship, I, I would really encourage people to um, seek it out. Um, I, would, I would really look for people um, in your life who um, are inspiring to you or have um, gone on to do something that you would like to do yourself. Um, and then I would um, really encourage you just to reach out to them um, to uh, explain why it is that you're excited about um, what they do, what sort of um, wisdom that you think that they have. Um, ask them if you can, you know, meet them for a coffee or for a Zoom call or ask them questions. In your case, Sophia, I think... I mean, having a podcast where you can interview people is a brilliant uh, tool for that. Um, you know, afterwards, when you've had a particularly inspiring conversation, you can say, hey, I'd love to, like, solicit more of your wisdom on this. And, like, maybe we could talk about it again. And I think the, the biggest thing from looking at it from a mentor's perspective is, well, they don't. They don't want to waste their time. So often they're very busy people. They have a lot of people who would love to spend time with them, um, and so what they want to see is is an impact um, from the advice and wisdom that they're sharing. So I think if you can be really intentional about how you listen to what they advise you, and then you actually go and execute that and do it, and say hey, I took your advice, I did this. And, and sometimes their advice isn't going to always be right. So you do, have to, you do have to be critical and think about it. But obviously, a lot of the time, it's, it's going to be great. So if you can take that and be a really good steward of it, execute on it, that really encourages them that like, hey, it's worth me giving this person my time because I know 
that they are going to be a good steward of, of the time that I'm giving to them. Um, and that builds trust and makes them feel more comfortable to introduce you to other people. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think uh, just off the back of that, I think another thing that I really, um, I really learned was, uh, yeah, during the, during the start of COVID when I'd been laid off from my job, it was quite a, it was quite a dark time. It was quite difficult. I felt like, um, my kind of vision and plans for my career had been completely thrown off. I felt like I wasn't really, um, able to be of service to anyone. Um, and that my life was kind of stuck. Um, and so I would just, I would just encourage people to continue to um, have hope, um, to continue to um, try and believe in themselves, to surround yourself with people who believe in you um, and can encourage you. I think without um, Frank and Todd, um, Todd is the name of my mentor, um, I, I wouldn't have had, uh, I wouldn't have necessarily had the people around me who, who, who could truly um, believe in me, encourage me, um, give me opportunities. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would just say like, don't give up hope in the midst of difficult times and you never know. Um, I, I would have never guessed that ending up in synthetic biology would be the uh, solution to my unemployment uh, problems. Um, but yeah, just, just continue to pursue things that you're passionate about try and give value to people, um, try and uh, learn where you can, um, follow your interests. And uh, yeah, that would be my, my advice on, on mentorship and, and uh, yeah, hope in dark situations. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Seth. I'm sure that it's something that all of us can take away from this episode. Uh, apart from, you know, the uh, synthetic biology part, which we can also get into. And uh, now I'm curious to know, like, do you know the story behind Race Against the Clock? I don't know if it was already happening when you got into SymbioBeta. And uh, yeah, let's talk about the purpose of that. <laughs> Yeah, so I am, as I've explained, very new uh, to Symbiobeta. Um, and so when I say we, it's normally uh, things that I've heard from people who have a lot more experience than me. Um, but as far as I understand it, um, we felt that there were um, points uh, within the industry where we'd seen some negative competition. Um, so some of that is really understandable. You know, we're dealing with intellectual property, um, patents, all of this sort of stuff that requires the need to um, protect it. And um, yeah, but overall, we believe that synthetic biology is going to be growing so incredibly quickly over the next 10, 20 years um, that squabbling over market share and behaving in a way that is self-interested and um, highly competitive is really not is not what's needed you know what what we need is a collaborative space where we're looking to grow the entire industry um, together and so from that perspective we wanted to move away from startup uh, competitions um, and instead, uh, we wanted the race against the clock to be 
um, a massive welcome party to the bioeconomy um, for all of the um, students and startups um, and, yeah, uh, people to really have the opportunity to be taken under the wing of um, some of these more established um, people within the business. Um, and, and really leading the way on that has been um, Ginkgo, who have um, done an amazing job of um, sponsoring a, a, a huge number of tickets um, for people to be able to come who otherwise uh, wouldn't be able to be there. So we're bringing um, students from high schools um, in the Bay Area. We're bringing uh, community college uh, kids. Um, we're bringing early stage startups um, for whom, yeah, it would be maybe very expensive for them to normally be able to attend a, a conference. So we, we think that that's like really amazing. Like it's it's not so often that the uh, Goliaths of your industry like Ginkgo are um, actually helping uh, the Davids <laughs> and saying, hey, you know, we want to um, we want to work with you. Um, they currently uh, have a concept of a community garden um, where they're looking to help uh, uh, startups um, through their cell development kit um, to essentially uh, startups that work with um, proteins um, to essentially use their foundry um, and support them through the process of growing. Um, so the the idea is that, that they would come and, and grow with Ginkgo. Um, so, yeah, we, we really think that the race against the clock is, is an opportunity for us to collaborate to solve um, the major problems in the world. So we're racing against climate change, against cancer, against um, obesity, against um, starvation in large parts of the world. And we think the potential for... Um, biotech, synthetic biology to solve a lot of these global problems is massive. But what we need is to hit an inflection point where synthetic biology is no longer just something that is being done by a few crazy smart scientists at MIT, and Harvard <laughs> and Stanford and Berkeley. We need, we need people like you, Sophia, and, and uh, young people listening to this podcast who have a passion to make the world a better place, believe that the tools of biology are there for them to do it. And um, in the same way that, that tech um, used to be just, you know, the top universities in the world that had access to computers, um, we think that what Ginkgo is doing to open the door um, to give more people access um, to build things with biology is incredible for the industry. We're excited for the opportunity to get high schoolers inspired. Um, and we hope that, you know, in in 10 years time, I'll see the name of, of a kid in Forbes uh, <laughs> who is who's starting a, a company that's that's solving, you know, hunger issues in, in the developing world. And I'll go, hey, I, I recognize that name. That, that kid came to uh, the Symbio Beta conference. They were a member of Race Against the Clock. And, um, oh, their first investor. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, they, they met them there. Um, and so 
I think that the um, the opportunities are are massive for the industry. Um, we just need to get um, more people, more talent, um, and more diversity um, to create a, an ecosystem that is able to birth um, technologies that are able to revolutionize our world. This is super exciting because actually coming into this call, I only thought that uh, the Raise Against the Clock event was going to be targeted towards, uh, you know, only very, I don't know, PhD scientists, you know, or only working in environmental problems. So could you um, just confirm for us who is Raise Against the Clock for? Yeah, so we're primarily working with students and startups. Um, we, we have the exception of including a few um, high schoolers in the surrounding area. I think obviously with um, it, on those uh, cases, they'll have teachers who are able to come with them. Um, I've been speaking recently to some teachers who I think are just incredible in that they um, participated in what uh, they're calling an externship, where they spent two months of their summer interning um, with biotech companies in order to be able to inspire the kids in their classrooms to go on and, and work in this industry and help give them advice on how they can go about doing that. Um, and so, yeah, we are we're really um, opening it up to uh, as much uh, diversity of people as possible. Um, we have uh, community colleges um, from the Bay Area who will be attending and, and also um, wider parts of California. Obviously, with um, COVID, it's a little bit of a challenge for um, we would normally have a, a huge number of internationals um, coming. But just with the challenges around travel, um, we have we have many coming, but I, I think it will be less uh, than than we would normally expect. Um But that just creates more opportunity for um, some of the people who are a little bit closer um, to come along and be part of it. So if there are any um, listeners, uh, I'm sure I could, um, in your show notes or um, in the description, uh, I could give you a link and there is a survey uh, that they could fill out and apply for a sponsored ticket by Ginkgo. Awesome. And, you know, you mentioned the importance of networking and collaborating more in the biotech industry, and I guess that in life in general, right? But I wonder, specifically for this uh, opportunity and event, which other outcomes do you see for Raise Against the Clock? You know, apart from networking, getting mentors is another one, I guess. Uh, what What is the vision for this event? Yeah, so I think... I think without a doubt, like that networking, I think is one of the most important um, things that comes from an event like this. I think um, I've talked to so many people for whom for their startup, their, their first customers came from a Symbio Beta conference where they were just like talking about their company and um, yeah, that the, their first customers came from that. Um, I think other things that are amazing are, We have some incredible speakers who will be coming. Um, 
coming to the conference uh, is Kathy Wood, um, who is the head of ARC Investments, and she is just such a rock star um, when it comes to investing in biotech and, and all kind of cutting edge technologies. We have several Nobel laureates, um, George Church, uh, yeah, just just the list goes on and on. I, I can't really start naming too many names or else I'll be going on forever. Um, but I think the chance to hear some of these incredible people who have who have built incredible things in the space and have so much wisdom uh, to offer and the chance to leave um, really inspired about the possibilities of, of things to do um, within, within synthetic biology. Um, and then I also think just like the, the chance to have fun and to be a part of a community. Um, the night before the event, we're doing a poker and karaoke event um, which will be really fun. Um, it was inspired by uh, Sologen or Salugen, um, who are a double unicorn. And the two founders met over a uh, poker game. Uh, <laughs> one of them was at MIT and the other one was studying in Texas. Um, and yeah, the, we're, we're really hopeful that um, in the future, there'll be other companies that are founded over, over people hanging out and playing poker together. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is just about, um, building that community, creating an environment where people belong and, and celebrating the gonna bees of, of the future, uh, biology industry. You know, Seth, I'm also very interested. You mentioned at the beginning that you like this idea of forecasting, you know, different things, I don't know, in the stock market, in Bitcoin. So mm -hmm. um, I'm curious to know, what is your take on forecasting the future of biotech? Have you looked into any, I don't know, data points or companies, startups? How do you, uh, you know, just see the landscape? Yeah, it's a really good question, Sophia. At, at this point, I, I haven't um, delved super deeply um, into the um, statistics. I think um, when I saw um, the the graph showing um, Moore's law um, compared with the rate of acceleration that we're seeing in gene sequencing, um, that certainly uh, caught my attention. Um, I think I think what we what you when you're starting. Um, a company or, um, or, or, yeah, trying to build anything, like the biggest thing that you need is, is a real problem, a, a real pain point. Um, and I think what without a doubt we have in, in the world is, is very real pain points. Um, and so as far as I can see, the only way that we can solve these sort of biological pain points is through using biology. Um, and from that perspective, I think just just the sheer need, um, I, put a, I put a lot of, uh, I have a lot of belief in human ingenuity and our ability to, to solve problems, um, to make the world better. And I really think that um, synthetic biology is, is the best tools that we have um, to do that. So 
Um, from a very eagle uh, perspective, um, I'm betting on uh, people like you, Sophia, who in your teens is running a podcast, speaking to um, amazing guests and getting their wisdom. Um, I, I think people like you are going to change the world. And if I can be some small part of, of helping them do that, um, I'm very excited to be in my rocking chair in, uh, when I'm 80 years old, <laughs> telling, telling my kids, Hey, you know, the reason that there's no, there's no hunger now in that part of the world is, is cause of, uh, these cool kids that I got to help out, uh, <laughs> get connect with investors and uh, and mentors and all of that sort of stuff. Oh, thank you so much. I'm sure that you, you will be 80 years old and see that change, but hopefully, you know, uh, due to the longevity uh, technologies yeah, exactly. that are <laughs> happening. Yeah, obviously, uh, yeah, I won't even need a rocket yet. <laughs> exactly, hopefully, <laughs> if everything goes according to plan. Marathon of the week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. And, you know, it's great that you actually end with um, that reflection on world problems because, actually, I have a list of questions um, to just end this episode that don't require a very long explanation, just uh, to, you know, uh, some interesting questions, I guess. And the first one is, which problem are you interested in that hasn't been solved yet? Yeah, I mean, there are so many good ones, Sophia, and I'm... I'm uh, I'm cautious uh, to to narrow it, it down too much. At this point, I'm still um, so so new to it. Um, but I think having having uh, I I spent some time as a child um, living in Africa, um, and I think seeing just how um, how so many children die of incredibly sort of treatable diseases of malnutrition. Um, I'm really excited to see um, where biotech is able to get to a stage where it can scale. Um, I think I think at this stage we're building some incredible things. Um, but I get really excited um, by the developments um, that allow scaling. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where um, through engineering crops um, or um, microbiome that we might be able to um, essentially treat a huge amount of, of um, diseases and solve problems around hunger um, that would let some of these children uh, grow to adulthood who I'm sure have amazing things to offer to the world um, and and we'll do so much uh, to create a better world for all of us. Then what is a startup or lab that you'd recommend to look at? Yeah, so there are there are so many good ones um, out in the space. I have really enjoyed, um, just because I've got to spend some time with the team, um, but IndieBio, um, who are an incubator and do, yeah, a really great job of, um, yeah, just uh, preparing uh, startups to, to enter the market, um, connecting them with investors, t helping them to tell their story in compelling ways. Um, 
I'm also really excited about um, an accelerator called uh, Nucleate, mm. who are growing incredibly quickly in the US. Um, and they are doing a lot of work to help um, partner MBA students with PhD students in biotech to form companies. Um, they're also um, helping them yeah, prepare for launch, um, giving them kind of uh, startup training. Um, and so they are, they're a not-for-profit. They are just really looking to make the world a better place. And, and so I, I think those guys are incredible. It's all student-led. Um, so, yeah, for any of you students in the U.S., I, I really encourage uh, looking up Nucleate and finding a way that you could get connected. We'll check that out. And then I'm sure you know this one. Probably you do. Uh, what is something you strongly believe in that many people would disagree with you on? Oh, I love it. The, uh, the Peter Thiel. That's yeah. right. <laughs> um, that is that's such a good... Um, I think uh, from a very uh, philosophical perspective... Um, I, I studied philosophy at university. So I believe in objective truth. Um, I, and I think that a lot of um, people in the world today are relativists. Um, they, they don't believe that truth is objective. Um, they think that, that um, yeah, it's, it's all about personal perspective. Um, But, but I truly believe um, that there is objectivity um, in the world. And um, actually, yeah, it's one of the things that I, I think is so great about science um, <laughs> is that you can, you can uh, yeah, truly see truth. Um, and, um, you know, sometimes you're not uh, proving things forever. Sometimes they get, they get disproved uh, later on, but you're constantly... You're, you're constantly chasing to try and get um, closer uh, to that truth. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a great question. <laughs> It is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I have a very good answer to you. So, uh, yeah, I probably need to come up with better ones. No, oh, it was an interesting answer, given that, yeah, you studied philosophy, something mm -hmm. new to learn for me, too. Um, and finally, if you could tweet something that the whole world read, what would that be? Wow. Tweet something the whole world read. Um, it reminds me of uh, Tim Ferriss often asks people um, what they would like to have on a billboard. Um, so tweet something the whole world read. Um, I think it would be, for the whole world, it's got to be applicable uh to everyone so i'm not going to be selfish here and say buy buy bitcoin although i think <laughs> that would be good for them i think it would be um something like love yourself love others and find a way to be a blessing that would be my that would be my tweet <laughs> awesome. Well, it was a very interesting concept and 
Thank you so much for taking it. Really, I learned a lot. And wow, you you have such an interesting story. Like we didn't have time to go through all of it, like traveling to other countries and uh, your time in charity, helping others and so many ideas that you must have um, because of the philosophy degree as well. But uh, yeah, thank you for sharing about Symbiobeta too. Oh, thanks, Sophia. I am a jack of all trades and a master of none. Um, <laughs> but it is... It is genuinely such a pleasure and an honor to get to talk to you. I am so inspired by what you're doing and how you're finding a way to bless others um, and share information and grow awareness about this space. Um, I can't wait to see what you do in the world in the future and what your listeners do. Um, and yeah, thanks for including me. And I, I feel like... I should definitely be interviewing you as I'm sure you're far more investing <laughs> than I am. So um, thanks for, for humbling me and uh, asking me so many great questions. I couldn't be more excited about this year's in BioBeta Raise Against the Clock event. This was also an amazing call with Seth. I really, really mean it. I think that even though, you know, he's not like a super bio person and that's probably what makes, uh, what made this conversation so interesting. You know, it's like different points of view. It's like, how do people get into synthetic biology when they were previously working in another sector? And so <laughs> that's it. If you are interested in Symbiobeta's Raise Against the Clock and being sponsored by Ginkgo Bioworks, a biotech unicorn to attend to that event and meet the future the biotech gonna then totally check out the link that i'm gonna leave in the description below and also feel free to reach out to seth or to me in our socials that are again description below thank you very much for listening to this the obio podcast let's grow